Mason Harris believes in chutzpah as an accelerant for accomplishing objectives, both work-related and personal. Author of The Chutzpah Advantage, Go Bigger, Be Bolder, Do Better. He shares his work through live events, workshops, writing, and interviews. Do you have the key behaviors and characteristics of chutzpah? Coming up next on Veteran on the Move. Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. Getting a new car is exciting, and you deserve a hassle-free buying experience. For more on Navy Federal's car buying experience, visit NavyFederal.org. All right, today we're talking with Mason Harris, author of the Chutzpah Advantage. So Mason, let's, before we get to talking about the Chutzpah Advantage, take us back, uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Um, well, I'm an entrepreneur, as are many of your uh, people in the audience. I believe in uh, the, the concept of Chutzpah or Chutzpah, as I like pronounce it, other people pronounce it Chutzpah, because it contributes to people's success because it enables them or gives them the courage to stretch boundaries. And as vets, you all know about stretching boundaries. So I start with the premise that you all have the basics of the chutzpah principles. Now it's a question of fine-tuning them. The way uh, an athlete might know, oh, I can, who's never picked up a basketball, oh, I can probably get this ball in the basket from here. And eventually they will but to learn the finer techniques to refine their skills is what makes them a better basketball player, even though they have some of the rudimentary skills to start with. Uh, There is one thing first, Joe, I need to thank you. And basically the audience, all of you who are vets, I thank you for your service and you hear it a lot. Uh, I'm not a veteran. Um, I came of age at a time when uh, Vietnam war was ending and there was a lot of bad publicity it never really was a path for me, and I'm sorry I never pursued it or even investigated it. But I do would like to share another area of appreciation. My parents are immigrants. They came over to this country in 1949. On May 5th, 1945, in Eastern Europe, American troops liberated a concentration camp in Lansing, Austria. My mother, age 18, was one of the women that they liberated. Wow. So we want to talk about the impact that you guys have on people's lives, on our country's defense, on our liberties, on our freedoms. This is it. This is as close as I can get in a very meaningful way. So thank you all. Oh, that's amazing. Amazing story. I'm, hopefully you get to hear some of that from, you've been able to hear some of that directly from your mother, huh? Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, I did, and there's uh, she even has testimony at the U.S. Uh, Holocaust Museum, uh, yeah. where she talks about the liberation. Yeah, yeah. If you're ever in D.C. and you haven't been through the Holocaust Museum, huh, wow, phenomenal. Just you know, I mean, some of the stuff in the museum just just hits you hard right in the chest. It's uh, an ama- one of the most impactful museums that we have, I believe, in my opinion. So it's phenomenal. They did a good job. Absolutely. They really did. Some of the artifacts and collections that they had from World War II and the concentration camps is amazing. So um, good stuff. Well, tell us, um, you know, about your entrepreneurial journey. 
sure. Um, growing up, I, there's the, the, the school education and the street education. I grew up in New York, as I mentioned earlier, and both were very, very valuable. And I also realized that the people who drove the newer cars, who seemed to have the bigger houses, um, seemed to, as I investigated, uh, have taken different risks in their lives. Many of them owned small businesses. Um, a lot of people didn't. Uh, so I began associating what they had done with the idea that they had chutzpah. So let me actually ask you, do you have a sense or could you provide a definition? And for everybody in our audience, think about this. How might you define this word? And if you're not familiar with it, let me say that uh, if I give you a scenario, wow, what that person did in building up that business took a lot of chutzpah. Yeah. What might be the perception that you and even our audience members, what would you think from that? I would think chutzpah is has to do with, and this is, this is not me Googling the definition or anything ahead of time. I'm going totally, because I've heard the word before, but I don't really know what it is until we started this interview. Chutzpah is some, somewhat like a mindset or internal fire, internal motivation, and a mindset of I'm going to accomplish something, um, you know, stick to is one of the military terms. Stick to <laughs> which, which we would also call perseverance. Perseverance. Rich. Yeah. Determination, Joe. This is right on target um, with where we're headed. But that stick to is one of, uh, I consider, eight key characteristics. There are, there are more of acts of chutzpah. So the stick to I remember I did a presentation, it was actually to a sales team in um, Oklahoma. Now, if I'm speaking in New York or I'm speaking in Chicago or LA, I kind of expect when I ask the question, anybody here familiar with the word chutzpah, that a number of hands will go up. A good number of hands. If I'm in New York, a couple of fistfights may break out. It's hard to tell. <laughs> Depends on the mood that day, how hot it is outside. <laughs> when I asked in, in basically, um, actually I spoke in both Montana and Oklahoma to sales teams, but I think it was, I said Montana, I asked the question, and I wasn't sure how many hands would go up. A couple of hands went up, and the best definition, I heard grit, determination, and then somebody said gumption. And I said, what a great word. We're familiar with it, and it helps describe it. Now, chutzpah is universal. So I also spoke with somebody uh, at a presentation. I spoke at another presentation. Somebody came up to me afterwards and said, you know what you just described? is very similar to what we call Sisu. And I said, Sisu, is that English? He said, no, it's Finnish. Uh, and in Finland, the word Sisu represents those qualities of, uh-uh, you're not going to get the better of me. I will find a way around whatever obstacles you put in my way. Yeah. I will continue to stretch my personal comfort boundaries because I have a mission. I have an objective. Uh, and I'm going to accomplish it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I will. I will say one of the things veterans are known for um, coming out of the military is that drive, that determination. You give them a task, a mission oriented. You know, mission oriented means I'm going to accomplish this mission, and I'm not going to let anything get in my way. And it works. You know, veterans not only make great employees, but they make great entrepreneurs because of this. 
they're they're going to get things done. They're going to figure out a way, and they're not going to quit until they do. Unfortunately, it's one of those things that you can't really put on a resume. It's one of those things we refer to as soft skills. All those people people oriented skills. You know, the hard skills are like degrees and certifications and initials behind your name. Those are hard skills that in employers tend to hire towards hard skills because soft skills are, are not nearly as tangible. You know, you don't, you don't know they got the soft skills until after you've been working with them for a while. Um, but veterans, when it comes to the soft skills, that's where veterans shine. Yes. Well, and it was interesting because because our audience is veterans and a lot of entrepreneurs, it's kind of a double dose of, I'm going to continue to stretch boundaries. And I talk about that um, because I know that for a lot of people, there's safety in, you know, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to participate in this group discussion because people don't pay attention to my ideas anyway. And those people are they're They're so loud. Let them talk. Or I'm not going to challenge my boss on something in a good way because I think there's something that he or she is missing. Right. It takes chutzpah to be able to say, you know, I like the idea, but have we thought about what happens in the event a competitor does this instead of uh, reacting the way we're supposing right now? What's the downside? And if we think that way, what can we do to prepare for it? So I think the audience, again, no doubt in my mind, everybody on this call has chutzpah. So now the question is, what are those key characteristics that I keep referring to and how might it apply to them as veterans, but more importantly as entrepreneurs? And actually, not more importantly, because for those veterans who are looking for the right job and who can't say, you know, in the military, uh, I had great people skills, which enabled me to accomplish a lot more. And where, as other people typically give up on certain tasks, I will continue to persevere. Those soft skills, they are important. And possibly presented differently on an interview, they may have, di- they may have a different impact. So that's something that, depending on time, uh, we might be able to explore as well. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll start addressing that as soon as we come back. In my 33 years as a Navy Federal member, I've bought several cars through Navy Federal, and there's no doubt that getting a new car is exciting, and you deserve a hassle-free buying experience. You can get a decision in seconds and enjoy great rates. With everything you need in one place, Navy Federal's Car Buying Center is your one-stop shop for researching, financing, buying, protecting, and enjoying your next car. You can search for new and used cars, access vehicle history reports, enjoy discounts on auto insurance, and more. And you can make the most of your time on the road, wherever you go, with our flagship credit card. Whether you're taking a trip to relax or see somewhere new, you deserve a travel card that does the work for you. The flagship credit card will earn you three times points on travel, plus up to $100 in statement credits towards TSA PreCheck or Global Entry, and a free year of Amazon Prime. With two times the points on all purchases outside of travel, the rewards don't have to end when your vacation does. For more on Navy Federal's car buying experience and flagship rewards, visit NavyFederal.org. Open to the armed forces, the DOD veterans, and their families. Credit and collateral subject to approval. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA. Visa is a registered service mark of Visa. Used by Navy Federal under license. All right, back talking with Mason Harris, author of The Hutzpah Advantage. So, Mason, we're talking about Hutzpah and what it is and uh, some of the different characteristics. Let's dive deeper into what are these specific characteristics of Hutzpah. Sure. Um, the word 
chutzpah, or you can pronounce it chutzpah, chutzpah again. There's, there's, I'm not going to say anybody's wrong. I just pronounce it chutzpah. Has eight letters in it. I use the eight letters as an acronym to identify the characteristics and make it more memorable. So as we are in different situations in an entrepreneurial environment, different characteristics and behaviors become more appropriate. So, for example, let's start with the C, the first letter in the word chutzpah. How many of us watch Shark Tank or have watched Shark Tank? Okay, yep. you're smiling, and I bet a lot of people are. <laughs> now, we see these, these aspiring entrepreneurs, these people that are building companies, trying to persuade these wealthy individuals to use their expertise, their connections, and, of course, their money to help them grow the business, to launch it to another level. Now, how many people do you think sit at home watching Shark Tank, eating their Doritos and, and drinking their orange soda going, oh, my God, oh, my God, did you see? I had that idea four years ago. Remember I told you about that? <laughs> yeah. But I never did anything. Well, that gets to the first word, and that is carpe diem. The C stands for carpe diem. Uh, now, we don't have to have taken high school Latin to know that carpe diem basically means just do it already. Yeah. Entrepreneurs reach a point in their lives where they say, I'm skilled at this, and I think I can offer more. I should do it in my own company, or I should partner with somebody. But I have these skills. So right away, one difference between a an entrepreneur and someone with chutzpah. And I, by the way, I use the word chutzpahpreneur or chutzpah, yeah, chutzpahpreneur in my book to represent this category of people like us who are entrepreneurs. So a chutzpahpreneur is going to say, you know, I've developed these skills. I keep working for that guy and I make an okay living. But there's a difference between making an okay living and generating wealth. You have a better opportunity to generate wealth when you control more of your destiny. Yeah. When you have that company. But of course, that, that involves risk. You may have to make an investment. You have opportunity costs. Well, if I leave my job that pays me X, how long will it take me for me to get back there, even though I know that the bigger objective is much, much higher? Carpe diem is the first step. We're familiar with the uh, logo for Nike, for example, uh, and the slogan, just do it. Well, just do it as a takeoff on carpe diem. Carpe diem has been with us since the beginning of humankind. Yeah. There are people who say, enough of this, I'm going to go out and do what I want to do. Or I'm going to go out and I'm going to change what exists today because I see a better future. Okay? So um, you have this podcast as an example, Joe. When did you decide that you wanted to create this podcast? Long time ago, and and I remember I remember the point where I was all set up, I was ready to go, and I had this great fear, and everybody kept asking me, "Where are you going to find all these people to interview? Are you going to put out one an interview every week? How are you going to find all these people?" I'm like, I run into them all the time. That's where I came up with the idea for the podcast, and I was I still remember like at some point I got to do this, and I just started emailing people saying, "Hey, when can I interview? When can I when can I do it?" And I had like five or six interviews in the queue that I had completed. And I'm like, once I start, I got to keep it going and I can't quit. And that's almost been 10 years ago. And I've never missed a Monday or a week in 10 years. Yeah. The, your, your answer is the perfect lead in to the next characteristic. 
Okay, so chutzpah, C-H-U-T-Z-P-A-H. The first H, the one following carpe diem. You said that when you told people, you know, I'm thinking of doing this podcast, I, and, and I know it'll be a lot of work, and i got to make an investment in equipment, and, and, and I have a full-time job elsewhere, but I think it'll provide a lot of value, and I think my audiences will really benefit. And what do people say? Well, how are you going to find these people? Is it going to take away from your life? What, why would you bother doing this? You, you seem to be doing well elsewhere. H stands for handling objections. Okay? <laughs> because everything we do in life, it seems, and especially if we have kids, we know this is the case, brings about objections. So with teenagers, hey, can you get your homework done? Can you be home by a certain time? No. There are objections yeah. to the things we ask for. And then it's not just teenagers. It's it's from the moment they can start talking. And that's why no is one of the first three words most kids learn. Right? Because yeah. it seems to work. It works on them. We say no. Yeah. And then it's like, mom, dad, no, I want that. Um, objections are common. Some people give up very quickly when they hear those objections. Yeah. Because. In a sense, the objections are reassuring. In the back of their mind, they're thinking, this is kind of risky. Let me check with friends. Well, the friends who, who are like them and thinking, Ooh, I don't like stretching barriers. I don't like risking failure. Yeah. Why would you do that? Why would you? Yeah. Hey, you're comfortable. That's good. Let life go on the way it is. Well, it, that is okay for a lot of people. Yeah. I'm not going to minimize people's choices. But if you want to be an entrepreneur... The, the objections come fast and furious. If you're in sales and if you're an entrepreneur, you're in sales. Frankly, I believe almost everybody's in sales, whether or not they know it or whether or not they yeah. will admit that they're in sales, because we all have to persuade at times. We have to influence. And when we're persuading and influencing, we hear, but that's not going to work. Why is that? Well, because of this. So we learn how to handle objections. Right. It might be a bank that, that turns... It might be half a dozen banks that turn down your ideas until you say, huh, how am I going to get this done? And eventually you find one bank that'll work with you. Right. I have examples of uh, how people have uh, handled objections and move forward, but that's the, the, the critical second element. So we have carpe diem for people who are writing it down and handling objections, yeah. learn the skills to handle objections. And by the way, it's also okay to ignore a lot of objections. Yeah. You have to be those, careful who you share your dreams with because like when I wanted to start a podcast, people around me where I told them the idea, most of them didn't listen to podcasts. So how could I tell a, a non-listener my idea about starting a podcast and expect to get any kind of positive feedback? Of course. You got to be but careful who you tell. That's a great point. Yeah. Um, and that <laughs> talk about leaders, Joe, I couldn't have paid you to lead this better. <laughs> you just described. This is totally unrehearsed, by the way, I guess it, yeah, we're it, on it a is, roll. Huh? <laughs> when, when you're saying that because they're not familiar with podcasts, they would think, well, what's the opportunity for, for you, yeah. Joe? Joe, why don't you do something different? Why don't you, uh, why don't you write a column? Well, that can work, but podcasts are new and are reaching a different group. The you in chutzpah stands for uncovering need, pain, and opportunity. Yeah. You hit on the third one. You saw podcasts as a rising means of reaching an audience yep. uh, that requires their attention for 
30 minutes, maybe less, maybe more, but that they can watch over and over because the view, the uh, the video lives forever. So uh, in uncovering need, pain, and opportunity, you have entrepreneurs in particular, but even if you're working for somebody um, who realizes that, okay, there is a need for office supplies. If you have a business, you have that need. I come to you and I'm saying, hey, I represent an office supply company. We're in this area and we've got this many reps and we have so many items in our thing. What would it take to get you to move over to us and change your current supplier? I know there's a need because you already buy the product. Now, the difficulty I have is that just because you have a need doesn't mean you're ready to change because somebody else has the same product. And as entrepreneurs, we find that. Rarely do we go into a field where there is no competition. Mm -hmm. You compete with a lot of podcasters in this particular situation. Uh, I compete with other motivational speakers or thought leaders on their models. So what can you do to take that need and turn it into a pain? Because people don't necessarily think, oh, I know you're a little bit cheaper, but you know, I'm really not looking for that right now. I'm comfortable with my supplier. I'm going to stay the way they are. When somebody who's effective at persuasion can take somebody out of the need category into saying, well, let me ask you, you have this many supplies. Have you ever run into a situation where you couldn't get what you needed on time and you had a critical presentation going? Yeah, we actually did have that recently um, with some folders for a presentation. We had 12 people in the room, we couldn't get the supplies done in time uh, because our supplier couldn't get them to us. We couldn't finish. This is a little bit old time. We couldn't finish the binders we wanted to hand out uh, in, along with our, uh, our deck, our, uh, our PowerPoint presentation. Uh, that cost us something. Well, when people start thinking about what they lost, the pain they incurred or the future pain they, they might incur, if they can't continue to get supplies, uh, in the uh, I, I use I'm using office supplies as an example. Any office supplies come uh, becoming in short coming yeah becoming in short supply right now because of uh, uh, supply chain issues, probably. Yeah, I'm sure so, there's something. So the idea for somebody who is trying to convert a need into a pain is to say, well, this. This particular supply, these these chips that you use for your uh, trade shows as a giveaway or, or particular trade show giveaway items, have you been able to get them? No, there are supply chain issues. Well, we have them. How much more valuable is it for you to have that than to go back and give away squeegee balls? Yeah. Right? So need becomes pain. People start buying when they realize how the pain impacts that. What right. you described was opportunity. This is Steve Jobs being a great example. We all know who Steve Jobs is and what he did at Apple. A lot of us don't know that although he co-founded Apple, uh, he was basically let go by the board of directors, oh, yeah. I think, uh, and then spent 10 years away from the company before in desperation they said, we need you back. Right. Now, what had happened during that time? Apple built on the success of the Macintosh introduced a bunch of poor products and also shoddily built products. Their revenue continued to grow, but they lost $800 million on sales of, I think it was about eight or 9 billion 
in a year before jobs return and an interim role. Okay. Yeah. So jobs was very fond of saying that I don't ask customers what they want. I figure out what they need first, build it, show them and they buy it. Yeah. That's opportunity thinking. Yeah. And you know, I think his name was Ryan Levesque. He's got that book called ask. He, he talks about when you ask somebody, a customer, what their trouble spots or pain points are, usually the first several answers they give you are, they're more like a symptom of their pain and you have to dig and dig and dig. And then you get down to the root of what their real, the root cause of what their pain is or, or what their need is. And yeah. oftentimes they, they give you, the first few answers you get are not usually what their problem is. You have to dig and understand the whole situation before you really figure out where the pain is, where it's yes. coming from. Then you can see the opportunity. Absolutely. People are very happy to talk about needs that are either not important enough to, to fill right then, or they already have a supplier. It's the pain that makes the difference. I spoke with a, somebody who ran a dental practice once. He gave me a great example. He says, everybody I speak to, I encourage to think in terms of uh, uh, six months or annual checkups or six month cleaning or even three month clinics because it's preventative care. Right. And they say, yeah, I know that would be really valuable, but I find it hard to get in here more than once a year. And sometimes uh, not even once a year it says, but when they wake up with a toothache, they're on the phone because <laughs> that pain makes it urgent, makes it compelling. Yeah. So why wait for the pain? If you know the pain's going to come eventually, you can't pick a day necessarily. But we can do things. And in the military, you learn this. You do things up front to prevent things from happening down the road. Yeah. That's where the discipline comes. That's Absolutely. the discipline we need to be entrepreneurs. So Preventive maintenance. Sorry? Preventive maintenance. It's never, it's not yes. the fun stuff, but once you've been burned by not doing it, then you'll appreciate the value of it. Yes. So that's the use. So we have carpe diem, handling objections, and then uncovering need, pain, and opportunity. By the way, I frequently use Uber as a wonderful example of creating an opportunity that people hadn't thought of before. Right. Because at the time, uh, and you talk about handling objections, they went out. Uh, and they try to raise money for what they thought was going to be a billion-dollar company. And people said, do we really need this other transportation opportunity? There are taxis in every city. There are buses, trains. There, there are, if, you're in the, if you're in Asia, there are rickshaws. There are ways to get around. You can call for limousine services. They were right. All those investors that passed on them kicked themselves when, when Uber became a success oh, yeah. and they saw opportunity, not even need. Uh, it came about, I don't know if you know the story and I don't want to go too much into time, but the two conceptual founders, very successful Silicon Valley entrepreneurs were at a conference, a business conference in Paris. And they walked out of the conference hall together and it was snowing and there was no way in the world they couldn't find that they could find a cab to take them back to their hotel which was a couple miles away. Normally not a problem. Paris, taxis run 24 hours a day. And jokingly was like, you know, I carry this Blackberry in my pocket. How come I can't just call a phone from here? Right. And that led to the thinking. That's where it all started. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. 
Okay. Uh, how are we doing time-wise? So I want to be respectful of you and uh, your audience. Probably you got about another five, five to eight minutes. Okay. Then let's do um, uh, some quick things. Uh, and we'll encourage people to reach out to me or even take a look at my book uh, so they can get the full picture. Yeah. But the, the T in chutzpah is about trailblazing. Okay. Uh, now, trailblazers, uh, I've heard defined in many ways. To me, these are people that understand they may fail, but they don't let that fear of failure hold them back. So they can trailblaze in something big. Uh, if we think of uh, uh, Elon Musk, much of what he's done has truly been trailblazing. Uh, but frankly, if you are the first person in your family to join the military, you're a trailblazer. Yep. You're the first person in your family to go to college, you're a trailblazer. If you, again, stretch what the, the comfort zones are, the norms are, uh, the limits that you've always had for yourself and people have even limited you with in their perspective as to what you should be doing, you're trailblazing. Yep. So as entrepreneurs... There's nobody that goes into a field or very few people that they're truly creating on their own. They're going into something that has established competition. Does that mean they're trailblazers because they, they're the first in? Not in that sense, but they're, trail, but they're still trailblazing because they feel they can do something better, quicker, more efficient, less expensive, provide more value to the client. So we think in terms of trailblazing. Awesome. Yep. Uh, Z is, uh, familiar with the game Pac-Man? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. So Z, imagine that character avoiding these, these tremendous obstacles, more than obstacles. They want to end the, the life. They want, they want somebody else to play the next game and put a quarter in. So you have three tries to not get eaten by these things, but along the way you can eat these little dots. The Z stands for zigzag. So there's handling objections, which we discussed, and then there's zigzag. Zigzag are these truly almost insurmountable problems that seem like, you know, you've been rejected by 13 publishers already, 12 publishers. It's time to give it up. Your manuscript is not going to sell. Okay? Yeah. Well, going to that 13th or that 20th or that 50th or self-publishing, which is more available now than it was, uh, but J.K. Rowling, Harry Potter fame, was right. rejected by 12 publishers before the 13th said, you know, it's not really something we do. Let me give it to my kid to read. The kid read it and said, it's the best thing I've ever read. When's the next one coming out? <laughs> they decided, okay, we'll print a thousand copies, see what happens. A thousand became 10,000 very quickly because of word of mouth became 20, 50, 100, then millions. Yeah. Wow. Okay? But if J.K. Rowling had given up any time in the after between number one and number thirteen, it wouldn't have happened. So that's an example for an uh, an author. But zigzag, like another term for zigzag, could be pivot. Yes, absolutely. Because sometimes you start with one idea and you realize, you know, I'm going left here, but I think we need to go farther right, and that's where the you don't you don't completely scrap the idea, but you figure out as you get into it, and that's why you like they always say start with a minimal viable product. You don't have to have a finished completely because you're not 
you'll, yes. you'll, you'll be able to finish it along the way. If you stand back and wait for it to be perfect, you'll never start. Yep. In the, in Pivoting those six we saw was so critical during COVID as a lot of businesses were impacted. Uh, many, yeah. many businesses went under. Restaurants. But, no one can sit in a restaurant anymore. All right, we're, we've become a takeout restaurant. You know, it's a right. simple pivot. But a lot of them didn't become takeout or didn't or weren't able to to do it efficiently. Those that could, those that adapted to changing conditions, found a way to succeed, stay open. And now, in a lot of cases in the restaurant industry, that takeout piece has become such an important component of their revenue stream. They can't give it up. So yes, they're welcoming people back, but they've had to add more line cooks. They have to think in terms of their ability to produce more because business has increased actually because they had the ability to zigzag to pivot. Yeah. Well, so Mason, uh, tell us where we can find your book. Uh, it is on Amazon is the easiest place to find it. And it is, um, well, I think by the time people see this live, it's, uh, going to be on sale or is on sale. Awesome. So it's a good way to learn about it. I also have a, a website. I have a newsletter on LinkedIn where I talk about business, uh, some, uh, and, and actually almost any topic that crosses my mind. My most recent article was about some proposed regulations in New York City related to pizzerias that use wood and coal burning ovens and that they want them to install equipment to reduce the exhaust by 75%. The carbon emissions. Yeah, I heard about that. Right. And it's like, okay, by their estimate, it's only going to affect 100 restaurants. Now, New York City operates 30,000 vehicles, over 90% of which are still gasoline powered. Gasoline or diesel, not electric. Right. right. Okay. Where do you think the bigger impact is going to be? <laughs> Harassing the restaurant industry for this really trivial game? Yeah. And I understand we all have to make our contributions. But it seems like politicians make these decisions in a vacuum. They've yeah. never owned a restaurant or a business. Yeah, they want to they want to mess up a national New York City icon, New York Pizza. You know, I mean, geez. yes. So uh, <laughs> they can learn more about me without spending a dime. But but uh, getting on LinkedIn, finding me, and subscribing to my newsletter, uh, I try and make my topics interesting. Uh, uh, frequently, I talk about chutzpah. And frequently, I also talk about something that I'm involved in now called answer intelligence, AQ. We're familiar with IQ. We're familiar with EQ, emotional intelligence, uh, which is critical for leadership, the ability to relate to people. Uh, how do we build an organization and a culture that works? AQ is relatively new because although we have a lot of research that looks at questioning models and how to use questioning to get answers and even to persuade, we haven't looked as closely at, well, is there a model for answers? If somebody says to me, what's your business about? How should I respond? Should I respond with um, a theory of my business? Or conceptually, this is what I'm trying to do. Well, is there a second answer? Yes, you can give a metaphor. Yeah. Um, if they ask a why, there are different types of responses. If they ask a how, we go in a different direction. So I'm involved in that as well, which for entrepreneurs will be, will be, uh, they'll be hearing about it a lot more frequently over the next year. Yeah. And we find as you we on LinkedIn look, by just, we just look for Mason Harris on LinkedIn. Look for Mason Harris and Chutzpah guy or okay. the Chutzpah guy. Chutzpah guy. Okay. Awesome. And right. the name of the book is the Chutzpah Advantage, by the way. Awesome. 
All right. Well, Mason, thanks for uh, sharing your entrepreneurial story and uh, good stuff about chutzpah. I've always heard that word, but I've never had any kind of lengthy discussion about it. So it's uh, all good info and appreciate you sharing all that. Well, you should have a certificate on the bookshelf behind you that says 100% chutzpah certified. (laughs) That's awesome. All right. Well, um, unfortunately, we're out of time. Uh, Shared some great info and uh, look forward to to seeing the the success of the chutzpah advantage as it comes out. Thank you. And God bless to you and your audience. I really, really appreciate everything you've done. And I look forward to the things that you're doing. All right. I appreciate that. Appreciate you saying that. Thank you. All right. We're Oscar Mike. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike.